this morning, as you uh, look at the screen, I want you to notice that there are four images that are the familiar scenes of the Nativity of Christ. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus. There are the shepherds who were the first to come and visit Jesus. There is the animal stall where Jesus was laid in a feeding trough. And then there is the town of Bethlehem where Jesus was born and the star led the wise men to him. Now, we know as we look at these familiar images that they are more than just historical details. We know that God in his sovereignty arranged all of them. You see, God understands that images stick in our minds long after words have been forgotten. And each person and detail is a message about the kind of Savior that Jesus Christ would be. In fact, this is what we could say. The nativity is designed to teach us this lesson. The way Christ was born reveals the kind of Savior that he would be. That's so important for us. The gospel records labor for us to understand this. The way that Christ was born reveals the kind of Savior that he would be. So let's look at each detail this morning, the day after Christmas, to see what God is teaching us about our Savior, okay? Let's begin this morning with Mary. Mary had to bear the shame of being considered an unwed mother. Perhaps this is a part of the Christmas narrative that we don't often think about, that she had to bear the shame of being considered an unwed mother. Uh, When she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit before she and Joseph had consummated their marriage, the Bible reminds us that Joseph was planning to divorce her. Being pregnant before she and Joseph came together It was presumed that another man was the father of the child. Now, the Bible doesn't explicitly say this, but there is very clearly a hint that an ugly and false rumor began to be spread. And in John 8, verse 41, if you'd like to turn there for just a moment, you will notice that in his dispute uh, that the Jews brought him into, Jesus responded to them, and I want you to notice what they said in John 8, 41. You are doing the works your father did, they said to him. We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Now, there's a note in the Net Bible that says this about this verse. They implied that Jesus had been born as a result of immoral behavior. And so we begin to understand that Mary and Jesus may have lived under a cloud of shame throughout Jesus' entire life, and then after he died and rose and went back to heaven, Mary may have continued living under that cloud of shame. But isn't that the message of the gospel? Isn't that the gospel? Jesus, who knew no shame, went to the cross so that he might bear our shame. Look at what Hebrews 12.2 says. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand 
of the throne of God. I want you to think of all the shameful things that we have ever said, done, or thought. If just a few of those were to be emblazoned on the screens in front of us this morning, every single one of us would be humiliated. We all know that. There have been times, perhaps, we've thought some bad thing about someone else and then discovered it wasn't true, and we thought to ourselves, I'm so glad they couldn't read my thoughts. And what did Jesus do when he went to the cross? He bore that shame for us. He bore the shame so that we might have his forgiveness. And then let's consider together the shepherds this morning. Excuse me, let's first look at the animal stall, all right? Jesus had to be born in an unclean animal stall. Now, we're not exactly sure the exact nature of the place where Jesus was born, but we know without question that it was an animal stall because Jesus was laid in a feeding trough. Animal stalls are not nice, clean places. Only animals are born there. Never human beings are born there. Stalls smell of urine, of dung. Uh, They attract rats and mice. Old rags, dirty straw, old creaking timbers. That's what stalls are all about. You know, no one would ever brag that your son was born in a stall and then laid in a feeding trough. And yet as we think about that, isn't that also the gospel? Of course it is. Listen to what Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6 says for us. We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. From cover to cover, the whole Bible teaches us this, that our sins make us unclean before God. We are like the uncleanness of the stall, and our deeds are like the dirty rags that are used there. Isaiah says we are only fit to be swept aside into God's eternal judgment, but Jesus carried our uncleanness on the cross so that we might be given his cleanness. Well, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then let's consider the shepherds this morning again. Shepherds were the first ones to hear the good news and welcome Jesus. They were the first ones to hear from the angels, to hear uh, and see the glory, and to come and visit the Lord Jesus. Um, You know, a shepherd in the presence of a king was unheard of. That was absolutely unheard of. Uh, Today, because of centuries of the nativity scene and And uh, our sense is that we glamorize the shepherds. But in Jesus' day, the shepherds were considered one of the lowest classes that existed. You may remember way back in the book of Genesis in chapter 47, when Joseph 
was going to introduce his 11 brothers to Pharaoh, he warned them and told them exactly what to say. Listen to what verses 33 and 34 of Genesis 47 say. Here's what Joseph said to his brothers. When Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? You shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock, for every shepherd is an abomination to Egyptians. Do you know what the Hebrew word abomination means? Loathsome or off limits. Do you think the shepherds knew people thought of them as loathsome and off limits? I'm sure that the shepherds knew what most people thought of them. And they would have never in a million years expected that Jesus would come for people like them, not last, but what? First. And yet, isn't this also the gospel? Isn't this the gospel? Remember Jesus' words in Mark 2, 17, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, we are all sick with sin. But deep down, we refuse often to admit it. We say to ourselves, I'm not so bad. But it is only those who admit their true condition who are ready for the cure that Jesus came to bring. And then let's think together about the final image, uh, the little town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a humble, insignificant little town. Its population was only about 300 to 1,000 people. I doubt there are very many people here today who grew up in a town that small. It also was totally overshadowed by Jerusalem. That was the large city with a big population. Jerusalem had the glorious history. It had the magnificent temple that was the center of everything that was important in Israel. You recall the wise men had to be told to go to Bethlehem because they thought surely a Jewish king would be born in Jerusalem. And yet isn't this also the gospel? Of course it is. Remember Jesus' words to the disciples and to us in Matthew 18.3. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them, and he said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, becoming a Christian requires humility. It means, according to Jesus, that we need to turn, we, we need to be changed. And I don't know too many adults who want to take the position of children, and in that day in particular, children were very insignificant. When they brought them to Jesus, the disciples said, what in the world are you doing bringing kids to Jesus? But Jesus was making it very clear. Only a humble, childlike faith 
bring salvation. Bethlehem, the little town, is a message of the gospel. So let's just review uh, the four images of the nativity scene again together. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus, who may have lived under a cloud of shame, falsely rumored to be an unwed mother. There was the cattle stall, which was filthy, unclean, and Jesus laid in a trough where animals would fight for the straw they would eat. And then the shepherds, who were loathsome and considered outcasts. And then Bethlehem, totally overshadowed by the great city. By that time, no one would have thought a king would be born in such a lowly little hick town. You know, as we think about these images, I believe that they bring to us four questions that every, every one of us must answer. As we think about the nativity of our Lord and what these images are saying, here are four questions every one of us needs to answer. I hope today, whether you're here in our service or watching by live stream, you've come to grips with these questions and you have come and thrown yourself at the foot of the cross and called for the mercy of Christ who will forgive you and save you and give you new life and make you a child of God and a member of his family. Here are the questions. Will you bring your shame to Jesus? who died in shame for you? Will you accept his cleanness for your uncleanness? Will you admit your sickness and be healed by the great physician? And will you humble yourself to receive in empty hands only what Jesus can give? Once again, it's only as we come into the presence of the people of God and open the scriptures do we get the true meaning of Christmas. And for those of you that are watching online this morning and you can't see what people in the audience can see, let me ask you these four questions again. Will you bring your shame to Jesus? Who died in shame for you? Will you accept his cleanness for your uncleanness? Will you admit your sickness and be healed by the great physician? Will you humble yourself to receive in empty hands what only Jesus can give? Let's bow together, shall we, in prayer. And let's thank the Lord for all that he has done for us and why our hearts are so filled with gratitude to him. Just before I lead us in closing prayer and we sing another great anthem of the Christmas season. If you're here today or watching online and you're not sure exactly where you stand with the Lord Jesus Christ, you do have a choice that you need to make.
you can either leave this place or turn off your television screen and continue on as you are, knowing the facts of the nativity, but never really entering into a relationship with Christ. Or you can come to grips with these four questions. Realize that God has implanted these vivid images in your mind so that by the work of the Holy Spirit you might be drawn to the Savior who was born, grew up, and lived a perfect life, went to the cross as a perfect sacrifice, died in your place for your sins, rose again to conquer sin, death, hell, the grave, eternal judgment, sent the Holy Spirit after he had ascended back on high, is coming again, and invites you by repentance and by faith to trust him as your Lord and Savior. And you can do that now in the quietness of where you are sitting. You can respond to what we've already been singing about, that Jesus calls you, O come, O come. And if you have any questions about what you've heard or how a relationship with Christ is entered into or what it means to live the Christian life and the fellowship of God's people in a local church, we here at Bethel Baptist Church in Marquette, Michigan, are here to help you. Those very questions are the reason we exist. And so, as we thank our Savior for what he's done for us, we pray for you. And we do so in the name of our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For his sake, amen.